Now You Fat, I Help, I Help, down the home, the power button, then press the home button, and Siri came outside to me, Now You Fat, I Help, I Help, I Help, down like that, that's very helpful. Techman Podcast number 360. I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm David Cohen. How are you this morning, David? Uh, I, you know what? I'm okay. I've had a really busy week at work, but um, it's one of those weeks where even though I've been really busy and I've been working really hard and doing a lot of late nights, I feel like I'm, t- I'm on top of where I need to be. So even though I'm tired and kind of a little bit burned out, I, I'm still feeling pretty good. I know the feeling. Yeah. I had a customer... Yesterday, family come in, mom, dad, daughter. Dad's about my age. We graduated at high school at the same time. Uh, he did it probably, you know, 40 miles south of me, but, you know, about my age. Uh, wife, a couple years younger. Nice couple. Yeah. Well, kind of. He was grumpy and defensive and, you know, as a person who sells cars, I get those people quite often. Yeah. And I get it. You know, nobody wants to deal with a, a car salesman. It sounds like, ugh, you know. And, and I totally get it. Except I'm not that kind of car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it always amuses me when I get those customers and they have this expectation of what it's going to be like to buy a car. And then by the time they pull the trigger and they're leaving with their car, their new car, I hear invariably the same type of response, which is, this was so much nicer than I was expecting. Um, You're not like most car salesmen. I I wish all car salesmen, you know, were like you. Um, It's kind of nice to hear those kind of things that you take someone who is almost angry-ish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very arms folded across this chest glary to warmly shaking my hand at the end and smiling and you know yeah the big thing with them was their kid they have a six-year-old and you know you've been around me enough but you've never really been around me when kids are around me no kids i'm not kidding kids love me Mm -hmm. they always have i've always had if there's kids they always seem to uh, migrate in my direction and I have a, a, if it's a boy and he's under nine, I have a little thing that works every single time, even if it's kind of a, a shy kid. There comes a point where I put my hand out and I say, give me five. And they do. And I act like it hurts a lot. <laughs> I'll shake my hand. I'll blow on it. I'll be like, ah, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And they love it. They start laughing. And then for the next half hour, that's all the kid wants to do. Yeah. And his kid was no exception. Exactly the same. And I don't know. I I like kids. I think they're, you know, I never condescend to them. I I bring them into the conversation. Like if we're looking at a car, I'll look at the kid and I go, I think your dad's actually buying this for you. And I'll laugh and go, nuh-uh. I was like, I think so. I'm too young to drive. What do you mean? You're you're too young to drive? Are you serious? You're not 16 yet? Yeah. They like it. So. And, and. 
I mean, we, we've always taken that approach with our children. A lot of, uh, it, funnily enough, Charlotte was, was in the office with me this morning. Uh, my wife had to go to an appointment and, uh, you know, Alexander went with her. So she said, oh, could you have Char- uh, Charlotte in the office with you? And she came in, she was reading a book and she, you know, she played a little game on her iPad and all that, you know. But all the, all my colleagues in the office love her coming in because she's, she's very articulate and she's not afraid to speak to adults and she'll, she'll talk to them you know on almost on their level because that's what we like to do to our kids is not talk down to them or condescend right. to them yeah you know some sort of times we say you can't do this you can't do that and well but we explain why in in the terms we would explain to anybody else you know um and i think i've always found that that, that kids like that because wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute are, are you telling me you're this can't be right are you actually preparing your children for adulthood Ah, uh, well, yeah, that's it, you know. <sighs> David, that's, come on. I know, I know, I know it's unusual. Um, <sighs> but we, uh, we need more spoiled, rotten kids, David. What are you so, doing? So Alexander's just come back from camp, and he was doing this impression of this kid. They, they had a games room there with PS4s, uh, and he said... Alexander is very rules focused because of his autism. So, as far as he's concerned, if there's a sign on the wall saying you've got to do something, he expects everyone to comply with that. And so, there was a sign up saying that winner stays on. That was the rule. So, you didn't come in and kind of push your way in. If you were playing a game and you were winning against somebody else, then the winner stays on. And then, if you lose, somebody else gets to take your place. So, he says this kid comes in and he, he kind of looks around for five, uh, for three, four minutes. And then, apparently, he goes at the top of his voice. And Alexander's very good at impression. So, he starts doing the impression going, I want to play Call of Duty. Why won't you let me play Call of Duty? And he's just going on like this. I want to play. It's my turn. You've been out for ages. It's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's kind of going on like this. And then, and of course, then, apparently, eventually, this, this kid got on next to Alexander. And he said, Alexander said he, he took great delight in, in uh, you know, shooting him up and killing him all the time. And, and this kid's going, you know all the maps. You know where to hide. It's not fair. You've got to let me live, and all of this sort of stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, I said to uh, I said to Alexander, I said, "Oh, I bet he's a joy to live with at home." Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Well, no, it, it, he is a joy because that's what the parents they let him do all of those things. He yeah. gets his way every time. Yeah. And if he doesn't get his way, there's an injustice in the world. His exactly. world. Yeah. That's he's going to make a great adult one day. Oh, that's lovely. You know, probably next president of the United States. Could be. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast yesterday driving home from work. And um it's it's a political podcast and they share my political viewpoints otherwise, you know, I'd be pulling over and screaming a lot. Although, yeah. to be fair, I do read opposing political viewpoints. I want to know what people that disagree with me think and with their reasoning behind it usually when i do read the opposing views on things and i'm not one thing i'm not yeah only this i'm i have values that they share or that you would consider the opposing party's view no i don't think anybody is one thing but regardless uh one of the hosts asks they're talking about donald trump and 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 this is relevant to you because he had this speech where he talks about the UK mm-hmm. and it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He starts out with something like, so I was in, uh, the UK and then he goes, 
Some people call it England. Some people call it. I'm like, oh my god, it's like he just discovered that it's it, not like one country. I he, he's suspect the, he may well have done. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure he did. <laughs> but he's he's just the dumbest person ever. I know. Yeah, he's just so dumb. It's so embarrassing. I, as a well, country. either either that or he's very smart, and it's an act that plays to his plays to people no, who don't no. who don't like to don't like to feel no. talked down to by by somebody who comes across as smarter. Than no, because if he was that if he was that cunning, he'd be much better at what he's doing. Hmm. Um. Anyways, the host asks her the the audience, "What do people outside the United States thinks think of Americans?" Do do they think we're dumb? Do they think Donald Trump is a true representation of the average American? And she's like, I want to know, but I'm really scared of the answer. Um, and I was listening to that, and I thought, I could probably answer that even though I am an American. Because a huge swath of people who I interact with are not from this country. And I can get, not just through osmosis, but actual conversations, what they think of the average American. And I think the the rest of the world thinks the average American is pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, but I, here's I, the I, thing: I think yeah. the average citizen of almost every country is probably pretty dumb. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's that's what I would say is that is that in some respects, it's easy. It's always easy to point at the other somebody from somewhere else, sure, uh, and then impose a stereotype on them. Um, and and yes, I think a lot of a lot of people in everybody's countries there's there's a there's a mix of education and yes. and um, interest in in things that that you and I might think make you uh, intelligent in terms of critical thinking or interest in things that perhaps aren't necessarily um, you, that you recognise are important, even though you you don't particularly like like the political process, like education, like science like the arts and literature and things like that. You know, I, I am, for instance, I really don't like poetry very much. Oh, me neither. Uh, yeah, I, I really, I find it, I find it indif- difficult to listen to. I can't really get much out of it, but I'm perfectly capable of accepting that, A, it's something that should exist, uh, and it's something there with, the, you know, the problems with poetry is not with poetry, it's with my um, ability to accept and understand poetry. Uh, and so, therefore, I'm not opposed to poetry as a concept. I just personally don't like it. Yeah. I think the, the difficulty with, if you want to talk about um, what, what you might... Um, as a stereotype talk about intelligence is the is the the willingness to accept something that you personally yes. don't enjoy as being valid yes is is i think a problem that lots of people have and that's not country by country that is um person by person i think unfortunately because of the way your politics has work has been working I'd say for the last 15, 20 years, but definitely in the last few years in the rise of Trump, is that um, the level of polarization has become to the point where it, apparently the only way you people, you know, people in your parties interact with each other is to... Uh, it, anybody who doesn't agree with them is automatically soon to be entirely invalid, yes. which is, is no way to work. You well, know, it's, like it's really um, easy to explain... Uh, the rise of Trump and Trumpism, and it's not just in the United States either. No, you know, uh, Italy I mean, we, has the same thing. We have um, we have a lot of uh, the Europe has a 
lot of problem with um, the rise of um, the far right. S- the, 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 well, I, I hesitate to say the far right, but people to the right in various degrees. Some of them are the far right, but others are um, to the to you know to the right. Um, but and by the way, folks, this is all leading to our first topic. So of course, yeah. yeah um, didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, that's okay. I'm saying that, you know, I think I think it's not as simple as saying it's the far right. I, I wouldn't want people to take from that that Europe is becoming fascist. But th- there are definitely more people on the right and kind of further to the right than makes makes many people cost- comfortable um, on the rise in Europe, in various different countries in Europe at the moment. Well, in the United States, this is exactly what happened. We had an election um, when President Obama was first elected where he kind of broke into the establishment, became very, very popular, mostly because of his uh, intelligence, his compassion. He was a real person, very articulate, especially coming after George Bush. Um, And the intellectuals and the very intelligent people in America rose up and said, yes, this is what we need. Hmm. And they got passionate and got behind him, and he got elected. Even some Republicans voted for him because he was clearly the more qualified and he seemed like a leader. But the establishment is just that. They're established. And during the last election, presidential election cycle, uh, on the Republican side, Donald Trump took people's um, anger, their bitterness of uh, an African-American actually winning the presidency, so their deep-seated racism. He played upon that. Um, and he got to the head of his party. The Democrats could have easily beat him, except they put potentially the worst candidate they could ever have picked because the Clintons were pretty much in charge of the Democratic Party. They rigged the system left and right against Bernie Sanders so she would get the nomination. And then, of course, the Democrats didn't fight back effectively against Donald Trump and their user base, if you will, I'm putting in computer terms, yeah, um, were disenchanted with the choice, which is Hillary Clinton. And in record droves, Democrats did not come out and vote because they were just tired of the, the corruption in both parties. Yeah, and, and so they didn't vote. And and, and unfortunately, that is a. Uh, the intern inside the Democratic Party, the level of polarization itself. There was an awful lot of people who said, "Well, you know, I don't agree with Donald Trump, but I can't bring myself to vote for Hillary Clinton." That's exactly and, it. And and then you're going, "Well, hang on a minute, but if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, you're giving Donald Trump the presidency." Isn't your your dislike of Donald Trump in excess of Hillary Clinton? They go, "Well, I I've thought about it, and I can't stand Hillary Clinton." It's just like, well, unfortunately, you're being a dope there. <laughs> But the issue was that they didn't think Donald Trump was actually going to be what he actually is. They didn't really think he was um, a racist, and he is. They didn't really think he would do things like separate families at the border, um, and he does. Yeah. 
He, they, they didn't, didn't really they, think he would do this. and they, they didn't think that the stuff, they thought everything he did in the campaign trail in terms of the nepotism and the corruption right. and the, uh, the collusion, the, base, the collusion, the racism, the homophobia, the, all right. of the things he did, encouraging people to fight in the crowd and all of those things. They thought it was just, oh, well, once he's elected, he's going to settle down. And they well, they thought that the that Republicans that is, would control him a little bit and kind of temper... Um, that and he would be just kind of more like a George Bush. Yeah, kind of there, but absent most of the time, anyways. Uh, but I he's mean, not. I, I, I tell you, I was absolutely no fan of George W. Bush for eight years. But no, he uh, seems like uh, a genius at now. At this doesn't point, he? well, at this point, I think many people will welcome welcome him oh, back with own arms. Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Because you know? at yeah. least he knew who our allies were. I think. I think even even at this point, if Dick Cheney chose to run for run for president, a lot of people would go, "Yeah, I can get behind that." Mm -hmm. Compared to what we have now, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's unbelievable. So this yeah. all leads us to uh, this rise of an acceptance of hate speech, conspiracy theories, outright lies, and the gullible who believe them and unfortunately act upon these kind of conspiracy theories and, and, and hatred and will literally attack and kill other people because of their beliefs. And a lot of this kind of stuff, unfortunately, is coming from... Um, a lot of different sources, but the most popular being Alex Jones, yeah, and his little network. And it's not, it, relatively speaking, it is a little network, but people keep talking about him. He gets attention from his antics, which I do think is an act. I think he's he's just a performer, um, but he found that if he performs in these hateful manners and comes up with these, you know, unverifiable. BS ideas and, and conspiracy theories, he's going to make a lot of money because there's a lot of people who are just going to buy into this BS. I don't think he believes half of it himself. But he's been producing videos and content for a while now, audio, video, that really is hate speech, that is encouraging violence. Um, and it seemed like nobody was doing anything about it. Well, that's all changed. <laughs> um, Alex Jones's Infowars is disappearing from the online world, at least from iTunes. Uh, it's disappearing from uh, what is it? YouTube. Yep. Spotify. I mean, all these places. Uh, Facebook. They're being removed left and right. So, how did this happen? Well. Um, Tim Cook and Eddie Q met over uh, two weekends ago and decided to pull five of Jones's podcasts from their platform, which is the iTunes podcast directory. So they were the first one to do it. Facebook saw, sees that, Zuckerberg saw it, and said, okay, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to follow suit. No collusion, by the way, David. No collusion. No. Um, and then they did it at like 3 a.m., and then YouTube, of course, sees that, and so did Spotify, so they start removing content. So there was no coordination between any of these companies, but Apple was the first. And look, I gave Apple a lot of crap last week. I give them credit for removing InfoWars from iTunes, so as it should be, because this is content that's promoting violence and uh, outright lies, defamation. I mean, think about being a parent of a kid who's killed 
in their elementary school by a shooter. And you get this Alex Jones guy who says it's all made up and he's encouraging his listeners to attack you and yeah. hunt you down. I mean, there's a family that's had to move five times and live literally in a gated, secure community. So these nut jobs won't bother them. It's terrible. And Alex Jones yeah. promotes that kind of behavior. So kudos for Apple for at least removing him from the iTunes directory. But they dropped the ball because they still let his app live in the App Store. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is the difficulty of taking this approach. It's it's how do you appear not to be hypocritical uh, without just like an outright ban? And if you do an outright ban of everything, you basically expunge everything from your platform, then you're opening up to accusations, baseless or not, that um, you're, you're not endorsing free speech. Um, and Free uh, speech in, has its limits. You can't run into oh. a movie theater and scream fire. And that's exactly yeah. what Alex Jones's InfoWorld was doing. Yeah, they were I, running I, I, into a theater and they're saying fire. But they're running out to yeah. the street and saying, those people over there, right there, they are the devil personified and I, I'm going to get rid of them by any means necessary and making the little gun thing with his fingers. Pew, pew. I mean, that's yeah. encouraging hatred, violence. It's in condoning murder. They have no recourse at this point, but to follow suit with the app store and remove it from there too. And if they don't, once again, I'm going to come down against Apple. You can't take half measures when it comes to this type of behavior. You, you can't, you can't say, well, iTunes is different because that's more like removing a link. It's not removing content. We're just not linking to it in our directory anymore. Okay. Well, what about the uh, app? Well, that's different. So, we, we, so what does he the has app to actually do? It's just, it's just repurposing the same content. It's links to the videos and all that kind of thing. Um, so not that I've ever downloaded. I've just been no. reading about it. Um, so the same reasoning that you can put from removing it from iTunes a hundred percent applies to the app store. And that's a curated thing on the app store. You're hosting that content on your server so people can download those apps. So hugely hypocritical. Apple needs to step up and say, now nah, we're removing the app too for exactly the same reasons. So I, I, if, if it's see that this, I just, I kind of assumed without um, looking at it directly that the info info wars app, did something different so it didn't violate policy mm -mm. but if all it's doing is linking to speech that's not suitable to be on the itunes store i don't understand that message exactly and that's why i don't understand why apple has taken a half measure here look the, the all these other online companies rightfully followed suit they waited for someone courageous enough to do it and that happened to be apple and then they all go oh we're going to do the same thing it's not like zuckerberg went and removed it originally he waited for somebody else to, to do it because he's a coward. Yeah. Um, the same thing with the people at um, YouTube. Same thing with people at Spotify. They're all cowards. They had to wait for someone else to do it. And credit where credit's due. Cook and Eddie Q, they made that hard decision. They're willing to live with the decision that they made. And they did it without waiting for somebody else. Um. But, guys, you can't do half measures here. If you're going to remove this Nazi stuff, then go all out. Get it out of the App Store, too. Otherwise, you look kind of stupid. Yep. Or alternatively, if you don't feel that 
uh, if you're using policy and your rule guidelines to do it and you don't feel the App Store guidelines are strong enough compared to the iTunes one, then change the guidelines. Now, some people will scream, oh, what about free speech? Well, well we, here, here's the thing for you. Apple isn't the government. Neither no, Spotify right. or YouTube or Facebook. They don't have to comply with free speech. If they, well, don't, yeah. like, if they don't like tech fan, they don't like the stuff that we're talking about because yeah. we've been critical of Apple and they remove it for, from iTunes... That's a hundred percent of their right. Now, would I be pissed about it? Absolutely. But it's a hundred percent legal and in their right. It's the their only, platform. The only right Alex Jones has in terms of free speech is to say what he says. He has a perfect right to do that. Yep. That is that is protected under the First Amendment. No, not at all of it. No. When you're promoting violence and, and hatred and you're encouraging violence, that is not protected under free speech. It's a hundred percent not. Is it is it actually illegal? Yes, it's illegal. You can't go into a, a and I'll go back to the old um, going into a, a movie theater and screaming fire. That is a hundred percent illegal. You could go to jail for that because people are going to get hurt. It's an outright lie, right? So or you can't the, run into a, a, yeah, a, a that, place the, 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 and yeah. The, the difference is that was about speech that's dangerous. Yes, and yeah, so is what he's right. doing. Well, well, uh, this is the problem: is is then to actually stop him from, or, or constrain him from making that speech. You have to demonstrate it's dangerous, and of course, the difficulty there is is that is that that is you'd have to go to you'd have to effectively get the Supreme Court to to judge whether that sort of speech is dangerous. No, it's not, it's you could also self, it's not self evident. That's the problem. It is self evident if you've heard his stuff, and well, I have. I, I've I, yeah, I, I've I've heard some of it as well. As far as I'm concerned, it's ridiculous. But I would imagine the fact that it continues without anybody taking action about uh, directly at him is the fact that it's um, is the fact that it's not self evident that it's dangerous. Uh, um, you know, you and I, you and I would, you know, I, I would agree with you that that it, that in my opinion, it's dangerous. But the problem is, people on the other side argue that it's not, and that it's that it's it's right to debate these things, even if they don't agree. A lot of them say, well, it's it's right for it to be discussed, so it can be considered and around and all that sort of thing. I know that's an excuse. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to, I'm not deliberately trying to play devil's advocate here. But what I am trying to say is that is that I don't think it's as the the problem with with judging what's dangerous speech or not is is certainly a matter of perspective. That is certainly an element to it, and um, and I, I suspect that you know. But I, the, your broader point is absolutely right in that nobody has to be compelled to publish that speech, right? Um, and and you know the, the example it. the example I I would use for this is that if you go into Walmart, right, which is uh, run by uh, a family who own it, who have certain what would be traditional. Uh, you know what they would describe as traditional Christian values. There are products, uh, and particularly things like music and videos, that Walmart will not carry because they don't agree with the content. They don't agree with swearing or with uh, sexual content or something like that. And it's been well known over, over time that, that there are certain types of content that Walmart refuses to carry or chooses not to carry. And that is their right. What's interesting with the Infowars example is that those same people with a lot of those same values are quite happy to let Walmart ban a CD because it has some swearing in it, but then seem to think that companies in Silicon Valley have to carry Infowars material because it's free speech, and and that's that's the hypocrisy. I, I'm uh, as someone who's been producing content online since 1995. 
I don't like it when anybody kind of steps in and says, you can't talk about this. Uh, I'm a huge free speech advocate. What I'm not an advocate of is speech that encourages violence against others. Yeah, and and here in the UK, we have actual legal statutes that that are not about the defence of free speech as such as they are. You can be charged with making a hate uh, with making hate speech here in the UK, and that is a criminal offence that you can be prosecuted for. So it's really quite direct. Um, and uh, and you know we have those on the statute books now that that's the sort of thing that I think um, with your because we don't have a constitution with a with an amendment with a right to free speech in it now I, I would imagine that if to try and put those statutes directly on the books in the US might be more difficult because of the constitution but you know here in the UK that's what we have Alex Alex Jones would not be able to do what he does if he was based here in the UK correct. You know, and you can argue, you know, there are goods and bads about that. Because obviously the difficulty with law is that then the, the government as part of the, um, of the executive, as part of the, th- the three branches of government can use law to its own advantage sometimes to repress speech it doesn't agree with that right. perhaps should be free. So, you know, there are, I fully appreciate there are two sides to that argument and um, benefits and, uh, and, uh, and problems with that approach. So on good news, CNN's well-connected Microsoft specialist, Mary J. Foley, reports that the company will soon launch Microsoft Managed Desktop, which sounds good, doesn't it, David? Microsoft Managed Desktop. We'll charge a monthly fee to configure computers running Windows 10. Oh, good, a subscription service for Windows. Now, this uh, is for I, enterprise right yeah, now. But I, I, I looked at the Forbes article you you. Uh, raise on that i i listen to a podcast with with mary joe foley on it regularly um i think that forbes misreported this story you think because, so because what microsoft managed desktop is really about it's like desktop as a service in the cloud so rather than having windows on your computer it would allow you to go to any computer and using a browser access a remote desktop that microsoft is offering for you and you pay a monthly fee for that um, and that would be a fully supported, updated copy of Windows 10. At the moment, you could do that now. You can buy that from AWS. They have um, uh, Amazon Workspaces, I think. VMware and many other companies offer that, and you basically you pay uh, a monthly fee to give you access to a virtual PC in the cloud. The difference between what Microsoft's talking about doing and what, what those other services doing is, is if you go to Amazon Workspaces, in terms of what you run on there, in terms of the operating system and keeping it updated and everything, like that that is your responsibility right amazon is just giving you effectively the virtual computer the difference is microsoft is going to go further than that and they're going to give you a fully managed desktop in the cloud so whenever you turn it on it will be up to date it will be patched it will have all the latest microsoft features in it and and of course you know i would imagine they'll have a an optional tier where you can add Office 365, which is their other de- uh, service, to that desktop. And again, it will be automatically patched uh, and uh, maintained and that sort of thing. I think it will be the same thing. I think if you subscribe to this, that's part of it. I think 365 will be a part of it because otherwise there's very little value. Yeah. They're also they're also planning to do and, and you know they've talked about this this before. They are also planning to do effectively 
PCs as a service. So yes. that would mean instead of buy, going out and buying a computer, you will rent a computer on a monthly basis. Uh, and again, Microsoft will pre-configure it with software and you'll pay up whatever it was, $80 a month, $60 a month, something like that. And effectively, just like um, with the uh, with the Apple service where you're, uh, you're buying the phone over time by paying rental towards the hardware payments, that's the same kind of thing. But again, with a much closer Microsoft wrap. And all of this stuff, remember, Microsoft is about a company that primarily serves businesses, not consumers, right? I, I would imagine it will be a long time before you will see this as a consumer play where effectively you go up and sign it up. Nobody is talking at this point about saying, if you buy a computer, you're going to have to pay a monthly fee to Microsoft in order to run Windows. And because the problem it- is this Forbes article and other ones I've seen online is kind of promoting it as such without actually coming out and saying it. There, it yeah. It's almost scare tactics. Like, yeah. ooh, Microsoft's talking about subscription service to Windows. No, they're really not. Because, look, PC sales are diminishing through the entire industry. As more people are using their phones, tablets, that sort of thing, why would Microsoft... Is some of the, Look, Microsoft does some pretty stupid things, just like Apple does, just like yeah. everybody does some pretty stupid things. But Microsoft's not a bunch of idiots. They're not going to go to a monthly subscription fee. If anything, I think Windows in the future is just going to be free. Yeah. Each version is just free, just like Apple's iOS or uh, macOS. And if, in fact, they did that, obviously, when Windows 10 came out for a long time, it was available for free. It's not available for free anymore. And this is is the narrative Forbes is going for here. The narrative is, oh, Microsoft made Windows 10 free. That was a bait and switch. They want to get as many people as possible onto Windows 10. And then, ta-da, all of a sudden, we've got to start charging you to keep using it. Microsoft's not stupid. That would be suicidal. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely suicidal because whether you like windows 10 or not i think we all appreciate that in in any operating system yeah there is not enough value in an operating system without apps on it for anybody to have to pay for it on a monthly basis absolutely yeah Uh, yeah it it would it would go over like a lead balloon if they tried to do that yeah so yeah application suites yes office 365 you know what Office 365, if you need to use Office regularly and you can't use anything else, yeah, Office 365 is actually a pretty good value over buying for it. The reason mm-hmm. people gr- – and, and Adobe, um, Adobe um, whatever they call it, what's it, C- uh, Creative Cloud, is also a pretty good value. The reason people gripe about it is because they were used to pirating it and getting it for nothing. Yep. <laughs> Whereas now they've got to pay a fee because you can't pirate it because it's not available separately anymore. Um, we do want to stop for a second and thank our sponsor, OWC, MacSales.com. Uh, if you're looking to add a second drive to your current computer, they have a product called OWC's Data Doubler. David, we were struggling to remember the name of that a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The Data Doubler. If you've got a MacBook Pro, a MacBook, a Mac Mini, um, an iMac. Um, Anything with, a, with yeah. the old optical drives in that nobody uses anymore. Yep. So you can actually add a second hard drive, an SSD, to make it even faster. Um, they start real cheap, 25 bucks for a data doubler. Now, if you want a hard drive to go with that, you could do that, too. And they've got bundles that go all the way up to 2 terabytes. So if you need to add more storage, and unless you've got, um, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, I want to say FireWire, not FireWire. Uh, a Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt, thank you. Two or three. 
internal drives are going to be much faster simply because they connect directly to the motherboard with a very high speed um, access cable. Yeah. Very fast, especially if you go with SSD. So if you want to give new life to your old Mac, this is the way to do it. Um, we'll put a link into the OWC data doubler. Check to see if they if it's compatible with your computer right on this website that I'm linking to. Go to techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com. Look for show number, what is this, 360? Yeah. Uh, 360, of course, is where we start charging our subscription fee. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's Tech TechFan 360. Yeah. Um, and find the link, click it. Go to maxsales.com and see what they got for you. Uh, David, you've got a product that you're kind of uh, reviewing right now. Yeah, I'm done. I'm saying reviewing it. I went out and bought this. I didn't, I've not been sent it for review, so this is not a promotional thing, but it's something I wanted to talk about because, you know, we obviously very much the focus of, of the show. We often are talking about computers and tablets and uh, phones and all of that sort of thing. And it's very easy to forget that actually um, you can get a lot done and you can make use of a lot of things that aren't necessarily driven by electronics and a battery. Though this one is kind of a, a hybrid of the two. So this is from a company called, and I, you know what, this is one of those companies I don't think anybody really knows how to pronounce their name. It's Moleskine. Uh, well, I, I've always called it Moleskine, but I know some people call it Moleskine because they're Italian. Um, let's go with Moleskine, and uh, if anybody's upset about Too bad. Our pr- pr- pronunciation, yeah, yeah, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, and okay? we don't care. So they are, a, 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 if you're into... Um, creative writing and pens and that sort of thing you will recognize this company they make slightly more expensive than regular notebooks uh, very high quality materials um they have a range of of kind of organizers and calendars and pens and all that kind of stuff around writing on bits of paper um and i bought not at full price because I think this thing is actually slightly overpriced if you buy it directly from them. Uh, but I bought it on eBay. There's quite a lot of these knocking around. I think they were given out promotionally by a lot of companies, and so you get them reselled at, at much less than full value. Um, uh, th- a thing called the Smart Writing Set, and what this is is a um, it's a note a notebook from the company that, that's it is kind of cool actually because they because they call it a tablet a paper tablet and it is shaped like a tablet it's kind of got um the pages stick out the side and then they've been shaved off so it has a curved edge uh, it kind of feels very nice it's very high quality paper um and it's bundled with a pen that actually is a digital pen and it's one of these um, systems where there's a uh, a faint gray grid on all of the pages in the notebook so the pen always knows where it's writing and then you can get a free app for your iPhone or for your Windows computer or your Mac or something like that that basically uses Bluetooth to take the stuff you write off the notebook into digital form and put it on your computer or your iPhone or whatever and I've been using this at work because I find um, despite the fact the rise of Windows with uh, ink, digital ink and tablets and obviously the iPad with the Apple Pencil and everything I find it really kind of inconvenient to use those sorts of things in a kind of a casual meeting mode yeah. because it, it's a faff even no matter how easy it is it's, you have to take the device set it up in front of you get the thing out, make sure it's paired um, run, launch the note taking app 
that sort of thing. It's nowhere near as convenient as using a pen and paper. And that's quite before you get into the difficulties of the fact that, you know, writing on glass never feels completely right. So when I, I like to write notes, I, I find I retain information better if I write it down. So if I'm talking to somebody in a meeting, I like to be able to write things down. The advantage of this system is I can write it down on a paper notebook using um, an ink comes out of the, paper, the pen and goes onto the page, just like you would with a regular notebook. But at the same time, the pen is retaining everything I write, and then it synchronizes it to my phone. So I have a digital copy to refer to if I haven't got the notebook with me. So it's the best of all worlds, really. It's, I found it quite reliable. Um, How many pages are in it? The, the notebook is at least 150 pages. It's really quite big, which is important because the notebooks aren't desperately cheap. They are very, very high quality. They're it's, $30 uh, for the large, and yeah. it's um, the extra large, which looks wider. Um, yeah, it's wider for $35. Yeah, which is is not, is, to be honest with you, in, in, the, in the, the realms of quality notebooks, that's not ridiculously expensive. Um, it, well, it, it is if you, it's just paper, then that's stupid. But uh, well, yeah, I was to say, even for a good quality paper notebook, you'll pay ten, fifteen dollars easy. Yeah, yeah, um, and th- and those ones tend to be less pages than this. So yeah. you know, if so you're double kind of, your page, your yeah. your paper, and you and you basically you're writing a backup electronically, which. I think it's quite good. Here's a question for you. Yeah. They kind of promote doodling with it, these pictures. Now, if you actually write your your writing sentences, yeah. is there any kind of um, character recognition so it's converted to text so you could search those notes on so your I tablet? I believe that's an option you can pay for. Um, I don't think it does it as standard. There, and, and the reason I'm, I'm unclear on that is my writing is so terrible that it never works <laughs> it for me work. anyway, so yeah. I've never bothered investigating it. Let me just see now. I'm, I've just fired up the app on my iPhone. Um, you can put tags in for searching. Um, what else can you do? Oh, yeah, there is transcription. It's just... Oh, that's not bad. It's, um, I've just transcribed a page on my iPhone... And it took about half a second to do an entire notebook page. And I'm just looking at the text. It was quite technical stuff I was noting. You know what? Actually, it's not done a bad job of, of reading my really quite appalling handwriting. Which so, makes yes. it more useful because now you can search your notes, not yes. just look at doodles. and Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you can change the language in there. There's, there's, I'm, I'm, must admit, I didn't know it did this. I'm actually quite impressed. Yeah, because, see, you're uh, doing a review, and I'm bringing up stuff that you're exactly, learning, and you're yeah. you're more impressed with the product now than you would have been when you started. Uh, the other thing you can do as well, which I really like, um, and this is useful if you are referring to notes or transcribing them, is that because it captures each individual pen stroke, you can kind of actually play and watch it, watch the writing reappear, kind of oh, like Harry. That's kind of neat. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> you know, um, and that means you can scroll through. And that sometimes, because I mean, you know, sometimes you will write a block of text in a notepad and then later on in the conversation you might annotate it with something else. This allows you to see that so you can actually pick up those highlights and that helps refresh you with your um, memory of the conversation. You can send these things out as PDFs, as images. You can send a transcribed text. You can, um, you know, it's, it's really very very functional very well thought out and because because 
the reason the, the notepads and everything is expensive is, is Moleskine are kind of like the iPad of notepads. Right. You know, it's a premium brand. And I don't mind paying a yeah. premium price for a premium yeah. product. Get, yeah. But it has to be worth it. And I think transcribing text, um, that's huge for me. I think yeah. that would be that, – that alone would – because I can't draw a straight line when it comes to artistic stuff. Yeah. But – just transcribing my notes, that would be a big deal. Yeah. The pen is pretty nice. It feels very high quality. It's like got an anima, anodized aluminium feel to it. Pretty solid. It's got a nice solid cover that turns the pen on and off. Um, Interface-wise, the one I've got could be a little bit better. Occasionally, you can be unsure about whether it's whether it's turned on or turned off, or it, it can flash lights at you and you're not really sure what it does. Um, I believe they have a newer one now called the Ellipse that's better for that. Um, it's not too big, bearing in mind it's got kind of got a tiny little camera at the front for picking up these dot patterns. It's actually quite compact. Battery life is okay, though not brilliant. I, I, you always want more battery and that sort of thing. No, that's um, what I saying. You know, you kind of, I kind of really have to... I, and it will, it will store this text without... The, the app being running so you don't need to have it connected to your phone while you're actually making notes if you don't want to when you then turn it on again and the app syncs is, over. is on it syncs over um so that's cool. uh, yeah that I mean, right that that's another aspect of it that's not to be overlooked exactly yeah because if i have my phone with me then i don't really need this thing exactly but, you know i'm out somewhere i'm writing stuff down i get back my phone's present oh look i can sync now boom it just syncs it over yeah. that's so, that's really good I kind of get in a habit that, that kind of every workday I charge the pen uh, and sync anything over to it just so that I don't end up leaving too much stuff on there. Because obviously if you lose the pen and you haven't synced it, then you're not going to get that digital stuff back. Right. Um, the, so, you know, it's all pretty good. The only thing I ding it for is Moleskine standard price, which is $200. And this is, that's too much for this because yes. $200 is, uh, is, is, just you know it's it's half the price of a, of a of an ipad well more than half the price of an ipad and it's just too much for something that does this so um you know if you want if you want one go find one that that's on sale or cheaper because um yeah two hundred dollars is not great value so it sounds like a really cool product it's something that i don't particularly have a, a need or a use for in my life but i can kind of see who would you know what i mean yeah i think i think a lot of people who well, anybody who, who, who writes notes on paper uh, and yet also has digital requirements should should take a look at this. It's it's pretty good. Uh, I'm uh, I'm quite enjoying it, and it's it's definitely um, you know my test of anything is if I stay with it and keep using it rather than putting it back up on eBay, then I know it's a keeper. So, so uh, speaking of notes, uh, Samsung released. Oh, they had a they didn't release it yet. It's coming out later this month, but they had. Excuse me. Their big uh, event where they announced the Galaxy Note Nine, uh, yeah. their new phablet, if you will, big screen, um, Android phone. Looks pretty nice. The specs look very impressive. Um, I, I'm not a big Note fan at all. I know those who are. They're very excited about this. Uh, pricing is a thousand dollars for the 128 gigabyte model. And uh, $1,250 for the 512. But remember, this thing has a micro SD slot, so you can ex- effectively have a one terabyte phone if you so choose, which is something I w- really wish Apple would pay attention to, although I think storage space is kind of passe at this point. I mean, once you get to 128 gigabytes in cloud storage, 
Yeah, it's not that big of a deal anymore unless you're, you know, downloading 4K video on your phone, which is stupid. Well, I, I guess if you have a, a, a Galaxy Note, you, I mean, it's it's kind of a was it six and a half inch screen, something like that. Yeah, it's bigger than an iPhone Plus. Yep. So you are looking at something that's almost like a mini tablet at that point. It may make more sense to have movies on there, but even then, you don't need 4K uh, on a small you, screen. You don't need 4K, and and yeah, you literally even, can't even tell a, the difference between yeah. a, a a 2K or a 1080P on such a small screen because your eyes yeah. can't distinguish such small pixels it's exactly and a typical a typical hollywood movie uh, you know kind of one and a half two hour movies is going to take about a gigabyte of space up right. so uh yeah how many of those do you actually need to carry with you at all time i tell you what though the last two weeks in movies has been pretty good for the home buyer deadpool tool came out and uh and X, uh, avengers affinity war yeah i bought both of them on itunes by the way yeah i'm gonna buy deadpool too because i didn't see it in the theaters oh, it's, so. it's really good i yeah. like it a lot i don't know it's not as good as avengers affinity war but that's only because that's a continuation of a 10-year story yeah um and kind of the climax of it to be honest but <laughs> deadpool 2 i did you like the first deadpool Oh, I loved it. I so, I'm, I've been a, a massive Deadpool fan for a long time. I actually um, kind of pulled together pretty much every Deadpool comic ever ever written and, and kind of read them all back to back. Yeah. Uh, because I love Deadpool so much. I, th- I You know, I, it, it's, it's exactly my sort of character. You know, irreverent, breaking the fourth wall, yep. uh, doesn't take itself too seriously. You know, but some interesting character arcs as well. Uh, yeah, I love Deadpool. Yeah, so if you like the first Deadpool movie... You're really going to love this movie. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Cool. I, I don't know if it's better, but it's at, l- at the very minimum, it's as good. It feels like a, a sequel should feel like, I you know, I could put these two movies together and watch it, and it's the same movie. Yeah. It's the same story. Um, most sequels don't do that. Star Wars did a, a fantastic job of that. Uh, you go right from A New Hope right into Empire Strikes Back. It's just a continuation of the same story. It's yeah. perfect. Jaws did a terrible job of that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this it's really good. Um, yeah, and, and looking at the Marvel Universe, you talked about Civil War. I mean, you, uh, sorry, it's not Civil War, about Infinity War. Yeah. You could put, uh, you know, a good collection of the... Uh, I, I guess I guess from Ultron onwards uh, and the Captain America movies and uh, uh, Infinity War all together and kind of watch them back to back. Obviously, the story links between them, but you know it's all it all feels cohesive. And the and the characters are consistent. Other than um, what's her name, the Scarlet Witch, somehow becoming more more Americanized with every movie. She started out with a really terrible, some kind of a eastern block type of accent and now she has no accent at all she sounds like she's from california <laughs> other than that it works well yeah uh back to uh samsung though didn't yep. mean to diverge but mm-hmm. you know we're geeks um i don't know what do you think about this galaxy Night? it seems very pricey to me i, I mean a, a year ago everyone was bitching about oh my god the iphone is going to be iphone uh, 10 is going to be how much oh my god that's too much money who's going to spend that for a phone well here you go this one's even more expensive well samsung has a strong history of copying many of apple's moves um i i know that the last non-note galaxy what was it the s9 has been not selling very well right so this is a very important product to samsung 
But, you know, I'm, look, maybe I'm a little bit jaded. I'm not in that space. For me, a lot, like many Samsung products, pretty much everything they were trying to get people excited about seemed to me to be a gimmick. Uh, and it's those, those sort of things that go over well in a demo and probably people will play with in the first couple of days and never use again. I, I don't see why if you had a pho- large phone, you would need to remote control it from a pen. Um, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, yeah, but how would you actually use it in practice on a day-by-day basis? Well, if you're a sales professional and you're going out to these different places, it'd be perfect for demonstration. You plug your phone into the projector and you're controlling with the little pen. But then it's yeah, the problem is it's always harder to plug a phone into a projector than it is for a laptop. Uh, that's becoming less and less of a concern. There's so many adapters now. There are, but it's having the right adapters with you. I know from experience in, in my business that even with laptops, people struggle to get projections working. I don't see people doing it on the phone. Uh, I don't know. I, it's, I either, just, it's either uh, VGA or HDMI now. Yeah, but you're not going to get VGA onto a phone. You mean get VGA off of the phone? Yeah, you're not going to be able to plug a phone into a VGA port. Oh, I it's bet not, there's it's, a... Uh, it's not going to work. I'd say from experience, it's not going to work. HDMI maybe, but then I'd say a lot of projectors don't have HDMI on, or if they do, it doesn't work particularly well. I, I just... I just don't see it myself. I think most people are comfortable with plugging laptops into projectors, and that's how they're comfortable doing presentations and things as well. I don't see eh, Get off my it. lawn. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm just talking about experience. I don't see it happening, and I sit in a lot of presentations. So uh, They released, uh, they announced the Galaxy Home, which is... You know, they're just ripping off Apple's smart home speaker thing. Well, yeah, but they, that I was mean, a it, big yawn. It, it, it's an interesting design, but the problem is the assistant is running is their lousy Bixby, which is, well, yeah, like like what? Who said that? Oh, I heard yeah. the demo when they're talking to Bixby on the phone, and it just sounds terrible. It yeah. sounds like a, it sounds like a digital. It sounds worse than first generation Siri. Well, uh, I, this is what I found on the internet I think about the prob- concerts. No, and, ugh. The problem with Samsung is they fill a lot of this type of product with these gimmicky features that are designed to talk people into buying the product, but after they buy it, they don't use very much. Yeah, agreed. And that is, that is their approach. And this seems to me to be more of the same. I didn't find anything particularly innovative here. No. Um, and, not so, on that. Not- and the watch was just, they still, nobody still figured out going be, uh, above and beyond the Apple Watch what a small computer on your wrist is for or will do, other than what Apple's already doing the Apple Watch. And the Galaxy Watch was just a pale imitation. The problem I have with the Galaxy Watch is that um, it, it uh, for a start, the way it's presented, the, the, a lot of the renderings they showed look really fake. Yes. To me, you know, they they are they obviously have multiple different dials and, and faces on them, and they, and they've rendered them like they're real. Yeah. With shadows and everything like that, and and when you actually see the device in person, it's not like that. Mm-mm. When you see a video of it, it doesn't look anything like that. No. So it's it's I I think they're already kind of misrepresenting the product wait samsung misrepresenting something no isn't this the company that used actual iphone photography in their advertising yeah yeah Yeah, that's that's true so um i i you know it's it's they're trying to capture the market of people who want an i want an apple watch but aren't in the apple ecosystem um maybe maybe they'll pull it off with this one i don't know um we'll see 
It's interesting. Um, obviously, we're fans of when a, a tech company releases new products. We're always kind of excited, even though I think David and I were both a little ambivalent when we started reading the coverage of this. We're like, okay, what are they doing? Um, how much is are they copying from Apple? Or are they actually going to do something innovative? Yeah, it it felt like a well, or not even a well, a rehearsed Apple event, just with a lot less compelling people. The problem is, is Samsung are, are so much trying to emulate Apple. They're trying mm-hmm. to push themselves up to the top of the Android market, you know, the premium Android feature. And I think the problem with that is that men, most of the people who buy Android aren't interested in paying premium prices for it. It's a lower-end product. Yeah, but there are still a lot of Note fans out there, David. I see them uh, in a, a day-to-day basis, those who do have the top-of-the-line Note, and they love it. Yep, but others, so, same people, going to be interested in dropping a thousand thousand dollars yes. every year on the new one. Well, I don't know about every year. I think they're probably more akin to iPhone users. It's every two years. The average iPhone user is updating every two years, right? Yep. So, I, I, yeah, I think that there is a big market there for them um, at a premium priced Galaxy Note. I, I think that that will probably be a pretty successful phone, uh, even at those price points. So. I don't know. I don't. Other than it's kind of a yawn, I don't see anything particularly egregious or wrong-headed with their approach on the Galaxy Note. Because remember, Samsung—they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. They have the cheap phones as well, so they've got that yeah. market covered. So I—I I think there is a um, a market for a really high-quality, expensive Android phone. Whether that's the Note or not is a different subject entirely i don't see anybody else really competing with them in that market space so they're going to pretty much own it i think you're either going to buy a note or you're going to buy an iphone 10 or an iphone 8 plus those are the two biggies now i'd be interested to know what their sales figures are for this one though i like uh, i like to know if it's going to you know catch on fire yeah that too um, <laughs> wouldn't that have been funny if it happened at the demo? Yeah. Oh, that'd be terrible for them. Um, we do have a Wikipedia. Do you yep. want to do that first or do you want to do our feedback? I think we're running up on an hour already. I, I know. Let's quick, let's very quickly run through the feedback before yep. we, uh, before we go to, uh, uh, and then we can finish, finish up with wiki trolling. So, uh, yeah, look, quite a lot of people came back to us on, on stuff we talked about in the last week or two. Um, I put three things in here, yeah. uh, one from Simon and uh, two yeah. from Brandon. So Simon, who is, uh, who is the host of the uh, Serenac, who is the host of the um, Everything Apple podcast, yep. said uh, that he recalled that um, the reason you couldn't cut up a Polaroid print was effectively all the stuff was sam all the chemicals were kind of sandwiched in, a, in like a flat pocket inside. And if you cut it open, then everything would kind of fall apart uh, or degrade and so that's why you had to keep them like that um, i think he's right yeah that, well that, that we we couldn't remember why but but we, we suspected it might be something along those lines and I, well I, think- I remembered that the chin part of the polaroid had the chemicals that would allow the picture to develop and as it squeezes itself out of the camera yeah it's squeezing those chemicals up into the backing if you will of the picture and it mm-hmm. was those kind of development developing fluids type of thing 
that would help the pitcher develop, which is why we sat there and blew on him and waved yeah. him, even though it was having zero effect on anything. Well, the, I think the waving comes from what he what he also mentioned. He said just for the just those of us even older, there was the black and white Polaroid print you had to yank from the camera, place between two small sheets and stick under your armpit for, 30, armpit for 30 seconds or so and then you got to peel off the front and see if the thing was any good and you did need to wave blow on those yeah um, and, and I do remember seeing those that, that was before the um, the popularized the, Polaroid camera yeah and that was before the Polaroid cameras had motors in to kind of extrude the print and you had to kind of pull it out it was, a, it was a little bit like those old credit card machines you used to have you know with the grey things yep. where you put the card in and swipe carbon it copy yeah they, they were a little bit like the, the Polaroids were a little bit like that you had to kind of manually extract it from the camera uh, and yeah then slide it in between two sheets and then yeah warm it. the reason you put it under your armpit was to warm it up and that um, helped it to uh, to produce the picture um, yeah they, they I, moved I've, on for that as soon as they could because that wasn't a great experience Simon thanks for the feedback it uh, made me think about that subject a little bit more and I forgot all about the putting it under your armpit thing. I, I don't know if anybody in my family ever had one of those, so I don't have any first-hand experience on, on being around that. Yeah. And then, so, of course, Brandon. Brandon, who's always got um, plenty of, of interesting information. So he, he mentioned to us that uh, he says that if you go up to the Andes in South America and you stand next to the Atacama Desert... On the roads up there, you'll see these, uh, every 10 minutes or so, big car transports going by. Um, very high up, you know, 15,000 feet up, carrying second-hand but nearly new Japanese cars for sale in Brazil and Argentina, unloaded from, from the, Ch- the Chile Pacific coast. Apparently, the Japanese car owner likes to change his car frequently, whether it's done mileage or not. I, I, as an aside, I think the trouble with doing mileage in Japan is that there's not, <laughs> it's not a lot of space. No. Uh, yeah. So you You're don't not putting all, a lot of mileage yeah. on them. So you don't see old cars in Japan, and it's 90% Japanese designed to make cars, so the dealers have a problem where to get rid of the newly, nearly new Japanese cars, thus the Andes trade. So there you go. So that's one way of getting rid of cars. I wonder whether um, Volkswagen will find a way to... You know, sometimes you can do things where you write cars off and then you sell the written off debt to somebody else and they can then do something with it without you saying that you sold right. it directly. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Stuff like that, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, and then in terms of um, our complaints about about Apple, um, Brandon says as well, in the past few years, Apple's gone out of its way to make me not want to buy any of its products. They keep dumbing them down, more in hardware and software. The Mac is an embarrassment and an insult. Mac software apps get worse with each release. I'm convinced software is most written by ex-Windows programmers. He says that uh, previous features are either hidden away or moved altogether. Yeah. Um, I, 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 that's hard to argue. I, I, think, I think it's definitely true that, that Mac software is not as innovative or as useful as it used to be. And that is a problem for the Mac because, let's face it, the hardware is it, in a nice design shell and everything like that. But internally, the hardware is the same as any other PC. Right. It's the software that differentiates it. And right. The software doesn't offer a compellingly different window uh, experience to Windows, then what's the max advantage? Yeah. Uh, right. I, iMovie is worse. Um, Final Cut Pro is worse. I, I would argue Photos is worse. Um, yeah. Uh, I, iTunes. I mean... Yeah. And, and he, t- he talks about here about, you know, effectively the, the, the examples he made, he's talking about um, 
saving 20 images in preview and right. then you've got to edit each one in, and you can't save them all you have to save answer 20 pop-ups um and you can't change it from save to save all and you gotta hold down these, the option key yeah he, and, and he says a lot of these things aren't very disco- they're possible but they're not very discoverable right um and he feels that's all very very windowsy which uh you know is a fair criticism i i i would i think one of the issues that I'm not sure whether it's directly all people who are ex-Windows programmers, but I just think as Apple gets bigger, it's going to be harder and harder for them to find engineers who have the same aesthetic and mindset approach to the way Apple does things as 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 before. Well, they keep and, making changes that don't make any sense. If it yeah. wasn't broke, why are you fixing it? And then the fix is worse than what it was originally. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's anybody at quality control to say... No, that's not how we do things. Leave the save all as it was. There, there's no reason to remove it. None. Yeah. Zero. There, that that yeah. didn't fix a problem. There was no problem there to begin with. So and, it doesn't make any know, sense. When I first got into Apple software, you used to get this delight of finding that something was done intuitively and it acted the way you expect it to. And it kind of helped you do things. And, and certainly the software doesn't felt like that for a while. Uh, he says no. iOS is no better, and he's actually gone back to his original iPad, the, the very first one with iOS 5.1, because he finds the UI much better than the, uh, he uses the terms Fisher-Price or Noddy UI of recent versions. I, I would actually disagree there. I think that iOS is getting better. Um, it, you got to remember that for us, it seems like the iPhone's been here forever. It's been 10 years, mm. right? And it's such a different device than a computer. I think that while everyone has a smartphone at this point, I think most of the tech companies are still trying to wrap their head around use case. And so they're still trying to come up with a better way of doing X, Y, and Z. And I think in some respects, notifications is a good, uh, good example. Swiping up. What does that do? I think Apple's changed things too quickly for some users likes, uh, including mine. But I, I think that at least in the truly mobile sense, we do need some more innovation there. We do need to rethink on how things are done. I, you uh, know, uh, the first yeah. version was a little bit too computery. Um, maybe we've gone too far in the other direction at this point. I don't know, but yeah, certainly I know. I, iPad multitasking as great as it is to have that facility. It's really hard to use. Exactly. Um, and to the point that if you don't use it regularly, you kind of can't figure it out. I tried the other day um, and I was, I was, you know, you bring things up on the dock and then you try and drag them out and I couldn't get them to do it. Half the time it was thinking I wanted to remove it from the dock and was trying to delete it from the dock. Uh, or, or it thought I wanted to put it somewhere else in Springboard when all I was trying to do was bring up an extra window, and it was incredibly frustrating. I don't think any of that stuff works well at all. You know, Apple... Here's a prime example. Uh, beginning of the show, I was talking about a, comp, uh, a couple that I had yesterday bought a car from me, mm-hmm. and he was a little defensive when he yeah. first got there. The wife never was. So they needed to get a copy of their car insurance to me where she's got it on her phone, but she, it's just a picture and she couldn't figure out how to get that picture and email it over to me, the file. And I said, well, just take a screen grab and text it to me. And she had handed me her phone. I said, how do you do a screen grab on this thing? Cause on the Mac or on the iPhone, you push the power button and the home button and it takes a screen snapshot, but yeah. 
that doesn't work right half the time. Anyways, I got to do it two or three times before it'll take a screen snapshot. Taking a screen snapshot on an iOS device is stupid. Uh, you can do it, but it's dumb. It's not intuitive at all. You know how you do it on her phone? You make your hand flat and you wave it over the whole screen. Yeah. That was cool. That, that is cool. What sort I of went, phone was that? I went, uh, it was a Samsung. And I yeah. went, ooh, well, that was cool. Yeah. That was a much better way than Apple does it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I think, I mean, we, every iPhone app has the uh, control center. Swipe up from the bottom, or if you're on an iPhone 10, you swipe down from the top. Just put a button in there. Yes. Yeah? So you swipe up, you hit the button, and the control center goes out of the way and takes a grab of the screen you're on. Or just wave your hand across the screen like they did, from left to right or right to left, whatever, just the flat of your hand, and then it takes a screenshot. Perfect. It was so much easier to do on her phone than it was on my iPhone. Yeah. I was a little, this little jealousy still there, man. Yeah. I mean, because I don't want to get out of the UI, just take a screen snapshot. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. This so, is Apple. Yeah, there you go. We're still up for sale here. We, you can hire us to come in and fix these problems for you. Yes. Yeah, um, I just tried to do a screenshot on my phone, uh, and it tried to turn it off. It, that's exactly my point. Here's the here's the key. So you turn on yeah. your phone, hold down the power button, and then hit the home button. But if you try to hit them at the same time, it's not going to work. Yeah, that's that's what I did. Right. Hold down no, the power fact, button well, I've just, I've, and then I home held, button. I held, <laughs> I held down the, home, the power button, then pressed the home button, and Siri came up. And now it's saying to me, no, you fat, I help, help, help down the home, the power button, then press the home button, and Siri came up and outside to me, no, you fat, I help, help, help down the home. That, that's very helpful. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. And, and now if I could just... <laughs> yeah, it was nice, Harry. Yeah. It was and very now, nice. If I could just take a screenshot of that screen and send it to you, then we could have it as our sh- as our show graphic. Yeah, well, to get it done. Uh, I can't, can't do I it. I know. Oh, can't do it. There, you know, I actually did it. Did you? I, well, oh, yeah. Text it over to me, and I and I will use it as our uh, the picture for the the show. <laughs> um, we've got to come up with a. Uh, a name for this episode. So now you fat, out. I think is now you fat. There now you go. You fat. There you go. Um, wiki trolling. I was looking for something different this time. We've talked about coffee in the past, but this Wikipedia entry, David is the key without a question of making commercial space flight viable and, um, something people actually will want to do. Because because of this, you can have your espresso in space. Yep. It's the ISS or Espresso (laughs) Espresso Coffee Machine, and it's designed for use in space. Of course, this was designed (laughs) by the Italian Space Agency. Of course. Who else would want to have espresso in space? Uh, Me. I do. Yeah? (laughs) I do. I want to go to space, number one. And if I'm going to be in... Yeah, I'm not going to space without coffee. Oh, the, what are we animals? <laughs> yeah. Come on, what are we talking about here, people? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in. I, I think we've re- we've reached peak technology at, at this point. Once we've invented a, a zero gravity espresso machine, it's it's only downhill since there. So from there. Uh, to me, this oh, is yeah. just a no-brainer. No, well, look, it says here. I, I espresso is designed to prepare espresso prior to this 
the only soluble coffee was available in space. Well, that's clearly just Blech. acceptable. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? What are we, cavemen? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, come on, absolutely. people. So, uh, you know, and obviously, apparently it's, it's given us serious insights into the fluid dynamics in microgravity of pure and mixed liquids at high pressure and temperature, which, let's face it, I mean, I lose sleep over that every single night. Um, yeah, this you know, is... The, you, know what this, you know what this reminds me of? I remember... You, did you, have you ever read um, Popular Mechanics? N- not recently. Right. Well, no, but I, I remember reading it, you know, when I was a boy. You know, when I was that, that age where you, you like reading that sort of stuff. And there was an article in there about the different designs that Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola had come up with to try and enable you to drink a good cola in space. Yes. Yeah, and I remember it was it was about four page article about the the stuff they'd done to the can and the process to try and make it so it actually tasted like proper coke, proper cola in space because obviously again in zero gravity um, you don't you don't have buoyancy so bubbles won't float up to the surface so you know and, and they put a yeah a serious amount of engineering effort into solving this problem this seems to me to be like the modern equivalent obviously um, you know we are only steps away from well, once this has been solved you absolutely know that you, the first thing is the international space station the second space station is going to be the starbucks space station yes yes because starbucks has a presence everywhere well <laughs> i think it'll actually be mcdonald's or taco bell but unfortunately i'd rather uh, it be starbucks well, maybe, maybe we could do like a space station strip mall where you've got all three in the same location yeah that'll That'd work. be convenient yeah you know, a, a big kind of zero gravity drive through for the Russian and American spacecraft to uh, come in and pick up, you know, a burger and a brew before they head off to the moon. My only issue with this espresso, ISS espresso uh, machine is the cup. It looks like a neti pot. <laughs> yeah, it does. I, I, I don't. Yeah, it, it come on, does, people. It look, what well, are we doing? Maybe, well, maybe that's part of the design. Maybe oh, it this is. is. Maybe you basically you save weight and, and when you're ferrying equipment up to the International Space Station by saying, "Here, you drink your coffee, and then when you're finished, you got something for the other end." Hmm. <laughs> Could be. You they know, don't like to waste space. Well, no, well, no. When you, you look, when you're in a tin can floating uh, 150 miles above the Earth, yeah, you got to recycle, man. I'm, I'm a know? little, uh, I'm a little intrigued by your Siri. It almost sounds like some kind of a, a weird, alt music or m- maybe even a, I don't know. You fat? No, no, you fat. I help. I help. I help. Down the home, the power button to press yeah. the home button, and yes, Siri I know. came up. Yeah, you could do. And outside to me now, you now you fat. I help. I help. Down the home, <laughs> the power button. Then press the home button, and Siri came outside to me. Now you fat. I help. I help. I'm I help. Sure Down that like would, that. that. That's would very fit, helpful. That would fit to the tune of my milkshake brings the boys to the yard. <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued by that. <laughs> you think, uh, I think you, your Siri was trolling me, most mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. 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 Anyways, mm-hmm. with that, we're going ra- to wrap up this uh, Now You Fat yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would encourage fan. all of our listeners, 
go and read this entry in Wikipedia for the espresso <laughs> because the level of technical detail uh, and it's thought crazy. that's gone into just this Wikipedia entry is quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not surprising at all, though. No, no, not at all. I mean, that, that's Wikipedia for you, but it's a piece of work, I'll tell you. Oh, man. And I'm very impressed. Except for with the neti pot coffee cup. It's, that's just gross looking. Um, yeah, I wonder if you can get... If, I, I want a hope version of this. Well, but the, yeah. <laughs> we have it, David. It's called an espresso machine. No, no, I want a, a home version of the space version. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't want an ordinary coffee machine. I want a home version of the zero-gravity coffee machine. I w- I, yeah, let's take it. Um, love your feedback, guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Let us know what you think about the new Galaxy 9, Galaxy Note 9. Uh, what do you think about our discussion about Apple removing podcasts that is classified as hate speech? Uh, and do you think Windows would ever release a subscription model to the consumer market for Windows? We'd love to get your feedback on that stuff. Uh, the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can always go to mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave a comment there as well. David, I'll see you next week. Uh, see you next week, yeah. Thank you.